And I, I really don't see that many people because of peer pressure and everything else. I don't see kids that basically can say no mm-hmm. to processed food. Mm-hmm. Because even if you do it at home and control it 100% and they hate you for it, then uh, they got to go to a birthday party. Mm-hmm. They go to school. They share lunches. They walk across the street and have chocolate bars and different stuff. And mm-hmm. uh, so you can't get away from it. We need it. We need these fats probably more than ever now. Whoever said life is short wasn't trying hard enough. Welcome to Dead Set on Living, a lifestyle podcast that takes you off the beaten path of health and wellness and highlights unique ways to live a longer, stronger, and more fulfilling life. Now, here's your badass host who once fought a bear on the mountains of Corsica, Lynn Bravo. Welcome to another episode of Dead Set on Living. I'm your host, Lynn Bravo. I'm very happy today to have with me again, Paul Beatty, who's considered to be Canada's leading expert on essential fatty acids. We had uh, had you here a few weeks ago, Paul, and welcome back today. Thank you. It's always a pleasure, Lynn. <laughs> so, Paul, we, you gave us some really amazing information on essential fatty acids in general uh, during our last podcast. And this podcast, we thought we'd like to f- sort of zero in on women's issues in particular, because you have a lot of, uh, of uh, experience with helping women in various ways with issue, women's issues. Um, so I thought we'd start off with talking about younger women, girls in puberty, through teenage, and then into the 20s and 30s and childbearing years first and then we could move on after that into say women 40 plus and and dealing with things like menopause and aging and that sort of thing is that okay excellent all right okay so let's start today with that with puberty first. So after puberty growth spurts in the sometimes hormonal hell of teenagehood, uh, is there really any need for supplementation for EFAs for young girls? What's interesting in the research, uh, Lynn, relative to uh, dosages we're talking about, is uh, so many things have a bell curve. And of course, when we're young, there's a rate of repair and a rate of uh, destruction at the cellular level. As we're young, we repair cells and make cells a lot faster. So the demands for essential fatty acids, right from uh, birth and breastfeeding, through all the years of growth and adolescence are actually quite demanding. As we go into the middle years, uh, there is less needed because the uh, rate of new cell growth relative to the destruction, this thing called aging, mm-hmm. um, uh, levels off. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk. It's in the 28, 29, 30-year group and so forth. And then as we get older, uh, the ability to repair cells um, relative to the destruction of cells, uh, which is just the aging process, there's again a an increased demand. So to answer your question, it's not a straight line, but we do need these things on a constant basis um, for uh, repairing the cell because the cell membranes uh, for all cells, and remember there's membranes around the nucleus, mitochondria. So fat is a absolutely critical but it's the quality of those fats that's so important everyone needs these live fats whether you get them from raw seeds raw nuts you'll get them from fresh vegetables in minute amounts 
or supplementation you're moving into with supplementation and especially fatty acid derivatives, then you're moving into the realm of anti-aging and reversing disease. So they are needed throughout life. They're a big component, and we've seen what no fat, low fat did for 30 years to people's health, and that was the omission of fatty acids. Yes, yeah. You're seeing, uh, and it's still a problem, I guess, today is is that uh, a lot of girls are going into puberty and developing at a really young age now. What might you attribute that to? Well, again, it's an imbalance of icosanoids. Uh, Icosanoids are all these communication substances. They're localized like hormones that don't travel around the bloodstream like testosterone or progesterone or or, uh, estrogen. These are hormones that are made off of the cell membrane, so you need the substrates, uh, fatty acids and saturated fats, there to construct these things on a second-per-second basis. When they're not there, we're out of balance, and there's just no question that the early puberty of girls in development uh, not to mention, I won't get into gender differences, but uh, there is uh, basically a huge imbalance and a lot of reasons for it, but a huge imbalance of these uh, fats on the cell membrane. So the, it is critical, these long-chain polyunsaturates, to get the correct ones from nature uh, to help regulate these things. And And most of the medical profession that understands some of this that have daughters uh, that, you know, they've kept them away from sugar and trans fats and adulterated uh, vegetable oils, like processed food, in other words. Mm-hmm. Uh, these girls are reaching puberty now at 12 and 13. At the way it's normal been age. Normal age. Right, yeah. So yes. so this early uh, puberty is, is mostly a result of, of uh, the nutrition that or the lack of nutrition, I should say, Absolutely. That, that these kids have. Like, you know, lots of fast foods and processed foods and the wrong oils and so on have contributed to this problem. Yes, and I should mention that part of that starts right with fetal development. So it's what the mother eats once she can conceive, if she can, and we'll discuss that. Um, but it's also the fact that, um, you know, breastfeeding is critical. That isn't being done to the extent that it should be. And then you look at children today with the cereals and all the other commercialization of food. Most children are addicted to sugar by the time they're two years old. You know, my, my, uh, I have a granddaughter who's one year old now, and my son, Alan, was saying, her dad was saying that it's so curious that um, when, when it's time for a snack, uh, many of, of people tend to view snack as uh, as a processed food snack. Like a snack has to be like, you know, a cookie or, or a, a box cookie or, a, a, you know, chips or whatever. Like a snack, they don't relate snack with being healthy food, like just fruits and vegetables or, or beans or whatever. Like they, the snack, you know, even at a very young age of one year old, you're seeing parents giving their children snacks that aren't healthy. Like they're starting them off at that young an age with poor eating habits. Well, and you can go to a place like McDonald's and you see children uh, sitting in uh, little high chairs. I don't know how old the kids are, but they're not very old. Sucking on a Coca-Cola. Mm-hmm. when they really should be. Mother Nature has told that you should be breastfeeding somewhere, not ingesting all this sugar into your system. But right. it's the commercialization. I mean, it's everywhere. Uh, advertising, as far as I'm concerned, and some countries are doing it, 
advertising of a lot of these kinds of products should should not be allowed to, towards children. Right. And yeah. now, on top of TV, it's, of course, uh, all yeah. through the they, they, internet and everything else and cell phones and tablets. So they they are just bombarded with this stuff that, you know, if you don't have your... You know, chocolate, dry, you know, uh, whatever cereal in the morning uh, or your yeah. frosted flakes with a ton of sugar or whatever, yeah. um, then uh, you're, you're not a good kid. So going back to early puberty, like obviously then the advice is to is to, to change your children's nutrition so that they are eating whole food. Same thing we would for say, we've been talking about another podcast for adults, but you want to have really healthy homemade food, no processed foods, no, and especially the, un- the adulterated fats, not having those in your diet. Um, assuming that, that, that everybody gets that message and starts feeding their children uh, a, a more healthy nutrition, would, would supplementing with essential fatty acids be necessary in your, in your uh, opinion as far as children go? Like when, when would one look at supplementing with evening primrose oil and cod liver oil, for example? Well, the concern on, uh, you know, I have two concerns on the omega-3 side. One is the overdosing of the fish oil and the decimation of our uh, oceans because of that, because the tonnage, the millions of tons of fish oil that are being extracted spells doom and gloom long term. So there is research going on, and I'm actually involved with some of it out of England, with uh, sustainable plants and flowers with seed oils that have derivatives in them and of course there's the microalgaes too on your omega-3 chain but as far as uh, supplementation I think it's important more today and it will get more important because this trend of moving towards processed food over the last couple generations is weakening the species so much so that the use of supplementation with fatty acids is becoming more and more important as we, you know, bombard our bodies with pollution and chemicals and pharmaceutical drugs. Then the need for this support and help for the liver in producing these things actually becomes more critical. But what the good news is, you don't need a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And they are available, you know, in small amounts in things like raw oats or, you know, in uh, oats that haven't been uh, altered, uh, in uh, spirulina, in hemp, in, uh, you know, all kinds of vegetables and that. They have trace amounts of these polyunsaturates in all of them. Some have different profiles, obviously, than others, but it really just tells us, eat fresh food, Lynn. Mm -hmm. And really, this is all it's it's telling us. Why do we make it so complicated? (laughs) No, (laughs) it's so true. So, so supplementation, if you're, if you're feeding your family in a good nutrition of whole foods, isn't necessarily required for kids? Or again, well, I'm just trying to sort of I, pin you down on that Okay, one. well, I would be looking at, you know, a, a simple small capsule a day of an omega-3 um, and uh, a small capsule of uh, um, one or two of omega-6 just as insurance because there's so many factors that impair the ability to make these things. And I I really don't see that many people because of peer pressure and everything else. I don't see kids that basically can say no Mm -hmm. to processed food. Mm -hmm. Because even if you do it at home and control it 100%, 
and they hate you for it, then uh, they got to go to a birthday party. They go to school. They share lunches. They walk across the street and have chocolate bars and different stuff. And uh, so you can't get away from it. We need it. We need these fats probably more than ever now. Okay. All right. So so we'll say that maybe two evening primrose oil and one cod liver oil, for example, yes, a day sure. is a supplement for your youngsters. Yeah, and just to good. show you the need, I mean... The one particular brand of evening primrose that's approved by Health Canada that's been through toxicology and was uh, a uh, prescription in a number of countries for a number of things for years in Europe. Um, a newborn baby in Japan, and this started in 1991 with my mentor, David Horbin, but newborn babies are getting 11 capsules a day of evening primrose oil. Wow. What, and what is the reason for that? Like, even though they're being breastfed. Well, that that those would be that's an infant formula, so those are not oh, being the, oh, breastfed. Oh, that's for infant formula. And the calculation scientifically okay. was see. this is how much gamma linolenic acid or GLA was produced by a healthy mother wow. daily for <laughs> a baby. So what this points towards is just how critical it is for the mother to be healthy, mm-hmm. eat properly. And produce these things so that the child, because this regulates immune system, all kinds of things, right? And so, you know, this is the, this, and Japan's the only country that has ever put this GLA, wow. for instance, in. They're starting to put some DHA now in infant formulas in North America and stuff. But it's a hard go because, you know, people look at everything and go, what's the price? Yes. They, yeah. don't, they don't have enough knowledge to go, well, what's the better product for my child? With regards to, again, we'll sort of stick with the adolescents for now. You were uh, mentioning that uh, essential fatty acids have have a, an effect on uh, adolescent acne, for example, in the skin. Because when you buy a bottle of evening prim- ephemeral evening primrose oil, it, it, oil, it actually talks about how good it is for the skin yeah. on the label. They mm-hmm. really promote the, how it affects the skin. Could you explain how perhaps taking these essential fatty acids could help with with adolescent acne? Well, underneath the skin, um, the GLA, like in a newborn baby, um, this is what gives the skin the glow. This is what helps uh, give it the proper structure uh, and regulate um, blood flow and oxygen to the tissue. So, um, I mean, nothing is as perfect as a newborn baby's skin, yet there's a lot more babies being born today with uh, diaper rash and eczema than ever before. And that's a deficiency of these fatty acids, by the way, um, because there wasn't enough being produced by the mother during fetal development. And, of course, that is a whole bunch of other symptoms now that end up with the mother because the fats go, the good fats go to the baby, not mommy gets robbed. Right. But uh, the... Uh, you know, as far as uh, acne treatment, um, ephemal, for instance, evening primrose is approved for uh, eczema and atopic dermatitis. And uh, I've dealt with a number of doctors with teenagers that it's just been phenomenal what it's done for acne as well. But, of course, the key is on top of that is get off the sugar, the trans fats, adulterated vegetable oils, because uh, 
you know, this is behind the real problem with a lot of these things. Yes, yeah. So again, healthy nutrition and then taking these supplements can help uh, heal basically your, yeah, oh, your, your body and your skin absolutely. and so on. Okay. Uh, I know in our last podcast we touched on this, but I really feel it's important uh, to speak about this again and, and perhaps have you send out a reminder is that a lot of young women are uh, are moving towards the uh, veganism and, and vegetarianism. Mm-hmm. Um, and so again, the, the, the lack of essential fatty acids in those diets is pretty profound. So if you're not eating animal products, you really need to be very conscious of, of, of where you're going to get those essential fatty acids. So could you remind the listeners again of the importance of that and where they might find uh, non-animal sourced EFAs? Yeah, it's a, it's a critical issue now with a lot of especially teenagers watching TV or podcasts like this or whatever and watching, you know, save the whales, save the animals, this and that, and then be deciding overnight they want to become vegans or some degree of uh, vegetarianism. And one of the things, I think most of them who do their homework, they start to realize, oh, I got to watch it. I need some iron maybe, or I need B12, or I need this and that, or you go to a naturopath and they tell you this and that. One of the areas that really are uh, is under addressed is the fact that the brain is 60 to 70% fat. Mm-hmm. And if you don't get these fats from nuts and seeds that are unadulterated and certain foods, um, then you can find yourself in trouble six, nine months down the road. The next thing you know is there anxiety, depression, and so forth. And this is going on in mass. And unfortunately, that ends you up in the psychiatrist's office usually with a SSRI or an antidepressant um, like Prozac or Zoloft or uh, Paxil or whatever. And, of course, these things were all banned in Europe about 10 years ago for under 18 years of age because so many teenagers hung themselves in parents' basements. And uh, But good old North America, what we did was we put a black box warning on them and said may cause suicide, and we just kept selling them. So it's, it is absolutely critical that people look at the fatty acids in their diet that they're getting, whether they supplement or whether they are eating raw seeds and nuts, a handful or so every day of mixed. But I just want to stress that. You don't want about, roasted ones. You yeah, want yeah I was just going to say that most people eat roasted nuts yeah. because they like the flavor of the yeah. roasting, right? But that damages the fats. Absolutely. Right? The so, enemy is heat, light, and oxygen, and you want... You, you actually, what you want is you want to get them in their shell and crack them open. And yes, they won't taste as good because they're not roasted. covered in salt and they're not roasted and everything else. But you will now get the fatty acids the way your body needs them. Exactly. And that's really important because I think, I, I, I know a lot of people who are vegans and they're eating roasted nuts. Like yeah. they are not eating because no. most people don't like raw nuts. No. And so they're not getting the essential fatty acids from their nuts, even yeah. though they think they are. <laughs> and and they may be getting some in those roasted, uh, yeah. but they're not. But not unadulterated. But, but not, uh, yeah, a lot of them have been adulterated and uh, because of the roasting process and so forth. Right. And of course, also in a lot of these nuts, you, you go to bulk stores, these uh, nuts and seeds are now being sprayed by fungicides. To prevent, of course, to give the nut and seed longer shelf life. Right. So, yeah. you know, if you if you like to, you know, eat pesticide and fungicide and 
Yeah, I would never oils. in a million years buy bulk nuts. No. I mean, just the fact that they're open to the, like, at least if they're in a sealed bag, they've been minimized their exposure yeah, to oxygen. Yeah, vacuum-packed or something. To buy, yes. I would never buy out of a no. bulk container anything that has oils in it that are going to be, you know, yes. ruined by the oxygen in the air. The omega-3s, I, I think I remember you telling me that flaxseed oil, for example, is an option for an omega-3, but don't you need to take like a huge amount more of that than you would say cod liver oil, for example, in oh, order I, to get enough? Oh, absolutely. Uh, in understanding the pathophysiology and the chemistry here, your omega-3 is a, not near as important as omega-6. That's the first thing that people need to start to realize, and they've been told otherwise. But the omega-3, this is, you know, parent oil, which is your essential fat, this means you must get some from your diet, is alpha-linolenic acid. And you'll get that from, uh, you know, you'll get it from your chia seeds, you'll get it from your uh, flax as a biggie, um, you'll get some in hemp oil, and so forth. The problem is, is that now has to go through what they call the delta-6, delta-5, delta-4 enzyme to get to EPA and DHA, which is what they're pushing in fish oil. And the farther, these are all inhibitory steps. So the amount that would be need to be taken of alpha-linolenic to produce that EPA and DHA is enormous. But on the other side of the coin, they're way overdosing everyone on EPA, DHA. So, which is fish oil. Which is fish oil. So the key is, and this is one of the reasons I push cod liver oil as opposed to a lot of these skin oils, is you got some vitamin A in it, you got some vitamin D, and you got less EPA and DHA, which is actually what you want is less. Mm -hmm. You don't want to two to 400 times overdose. I, I wanted to mention something about the vegan movement, if I could, okay? There's a huge movement in the United States right now for ketogenic diet and uh, low-carb and it's really gathering a lot of momentum, even with the medical profession and doctors. Now, they don't understand why or whatever. But I want to bring up uh, a book that people can get on Amazon uh, and that they can get uh, um, through, I think it's Yes Supplements, by, by my good friend Brian Peskin in Houston. It's called The 24-Hour Diet. And even though this book's about 10 years old or something, it was actually pushing ketogenic diet before ketogenic became a word. Because believe it or not, the ketogenic diet started back in the 1920s for epilepsy. Oh. Then the drug companies came up with anti-antileptic drugs and pushed the ketogenic diet, which was proven, by the way, to basically stop epilepsy. Wow. And um, then it moved from that into the, you know, the 1970s and 80s where scientists at medical... Um, um, medical doctors, what they in effect brought it back for when their drugs didn't work for yeah. epilepsy, and now all of a sudden it's moved all the way to the keto. You know, the ketogenic has moved all the way mainstream, right? Right. Since about 2015, mm -hmm. with certain podcasts out of San Francisco. So you never know when you make a big impact on a podcast. But that's right. called the 24-hour diet by uh, Brian Peskin. Uh, and Stephen Cavallino, an Italian doctor, and this was actually talking about all of this without using the word ketogenic. Oh. High fat, high fat, high fat. So 
That's awesome. This is all a science, and this was actually written for physicians and patients. Okay. Very good. So there is information out there if you know where to look. I'd love to hear your opinion on the ketogenic diet. You know, as, as uh, any of us who've tried it, you, they do call it the ketogenic flu that you could have experienced the first few days when you're eating this way. Do you have any opinion on the ketogenic diet and its merits? Well, first and foremost, like when you need to realize that you can't just switch over from somebody who's been eating carbs and providing insulin response and sugar for energy. Uh, you just can't overnight switch your fuels. It's not like a switch. You really need to look at it as a plan and plan it out over about a three-month period. Otherwise, you can get very sick and some very, very nasty life-threatening conditions can start to occur. And people are finding this out. So the first thing is, is do it very slowly because you wouldn't take your dog that you fed kibble for five years and then all of a sudden uh, start feeding it raw meat and, and expect anything other than the dog doesn't want it. The dog's going to get sick on it and the dog does get sick on it. So you have to transition slowly, um, number one. Number two, take a look at the fats that you evolved with and your ancestors evolved with because... It's one thing just to switch over to more fat, but if that's sort of not in the background, it may be the wrong fat and can cause a lot of trouble. So, so again, if fats. you're looking at what you what kind of fats you ate as a child, and then where, where you your your family came from historically, yes. as to what their diets were in their country, yes. you have to look at that as being. Uh, you know, in your genes, basically, like yeah. your your your, pro, your body's programmed. been yeah. programmed to utilize that those Correct. foods. So to suddenly switch to you know to be a, a come from a, a background we used the, the Irish last time uh, where they eat not only meat but a lot of organ meat and uh, and then uh, a lot of fats and so on and then suddenly switch to become a vegan it's very, very difficult for your body to adapt because it's programmed for thriving on a, a meat and organ-based diet. So it's not that you can't become a vegan, but just don't try and switch overnight. Do it over several months. Right? Yes, and I think the best example, since it's on the news a lot, about uh, you know what's going on in the Arctic and the North and our native peoples. I mean, a very good example is you know whale blubber, but probably 80% seal fat. It's the diet of the Inuit and up north or whatever. And, uh, you know, when they switch over to, no, you know, white man's food, so to speak, or, you know, here's your diet Coke for $10 and your, your potato chips, then it just wreaks havoc with them. Like they go, like, it's just unbelievable how it affects. And I, a good example of this was Hugh Sinclair in the 1970s, who was David Horobin's mentor, he decided to go on nothing but um, seal meat for 30, 60 days. Well, his bleeding time went up 400-fold, and he became impotent. So it shows you that, you know, you have adapted, and this is why our northern peoples, they really need to be protected as to their way of life because they have evolved eating those fats. And, you know... You can imagine what all of a sudden, if you decided that 80% of your fat should be whale blubber, mm -hmm. your body be going, what the heck are you doing? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it, it's critical. And it, yeah. it is the part that is missed by most uh, scientists and researchers. They don't look back in medicine. I don't know why. They don't 
You know, we I, know Darwinian right. theory, and we know evolution, and we know animals need to eat what they have. The panda bear is a good example. Keep feeding it bamboo, or it's not going to be in your zoo. Yeah. Hey, that's pretty good. Keep feeding bamboo, or it's not going to be in your zoo. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> Hallmark card. Yes. <laughs> but uh, it, it all just makes common sense yeah, when yeah. you think about it. Yeah. It's so, just not talked about. Yeah. Yeah. So whether it's a vegan diet or a ketogenic diet or whatever diet you're going to switch to, just be conscious of the fact that you need to do it over a longer period and of time. And you need to pay attention to what your history. Right. On the next episode of Dead Set on Living. We have actually seen many women over the years who didn't have periods or were very irregular, but let's say they didn't have anyone for four or five months. You'd put them on evening primrose oil, they'd have two or three for a month. Oh, wow. In a month. <laughs> and then it would work its way in balance. Back to balance. Back again. to balance, and all of a sudden they'd be regular. And so there's no question um, about the dangerous effect that processed food is having on these eicosanoids and upsetting all of this. Right. And uh, women don't have to suffer, but again, you want to make sure it's a quality product. You want to make sure that you're taking it correctly. Um, there's cofactors that are needed, magnesium, zinc, B3, B6, B12, and so forth, vitamin D. Nothing works unto itself, uh, but this is the engine that drives it is the balance of the fat. If you want more information on what was talked about on today's show, you can head over to the show page at deadsetonliving.com. Be sure to subscribe to the Dead Set on Living podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. That way you'll always be up to date whenever a new episode is released. As a listener, you are vital to the success of our show. By leaving a rating and review, You'll help us reach more people and continue to put out kick-ass content. Also, every time you leave a rating or review, a fairy in the forest will get its wings. But seriously, what you think is important to us and to the growth of our show. Until next time, live life and be well.